Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're listening to a Sniffer Nixon production. Welcome to Are You Feeling Funny, where top comedians discuss health and well-being with Harley Street specialist and our host, Dr. Brian Kaplan. Today's guest is Milton Jones, so let's join them in the heart of Harley Street. Welcome to Are You Feeling Funny, Milton Jones. Thank you very much, nice to be here. Great, so this is how this works, is I'm an old-fashioned, holistic doctor. So oh, yeah. I like to look at things in terms of body, mind and spirit. So I'm going to invite you to talk about any experiences that you've had as a patient or in any connection with doctors at a physical level and then psychological, and then we'll talk about spiritual matters. Okay. So first of all, physical. Did you have any experiences that we can talk about where something funny happened perhaps <laughs> in the physical world? This can be A&E, it can be accidents, yeah. it can be illness, anything. Uh, well, I've been very lucky. In my life, I haven't had much wrong with me at all. I've never spent a night in hospital, never had a bone broken. Good. Uh, the worst thing that happened to me was I had measles when I was six and it developed into encephalitis. Yes. And which is quite serious. It's the yeah. swelling of the brain, I think, isn't yes. it? And it was touch and go for a while. So that's as near as I've got. Other than that, the second one down is Veruca's, really. That, well, let's stay with the measles for, yeah. first of all. Yes, that is extremely serious. And that is why there is this national campaign to to um, have people vaccinated against measles because mm. there is a percentage and although it might be one in 10,000 or something like that of people who have measles that go on to some form of complication it is serious and then the next step that we would get more serious than that is terrible yes so that's quite a serious situation you were in there yes and I can still smell the smell as well often diseases or serious things come with a smell yeah. and you can sort of go back to it and occasionally I catch a whiff in a in a school dining room or something of a similar smell I go, ah, I'm back six years old and also whenever I see an action man it was over Christmas and I got an action man that Christmas I suddenly feel ill strangely uh, and do you think it's the smell of the illness or the smell of the doctors or the hospital or no the... I wasn't even in hospital they kept no. me at home it got quite serious at home quite quickly and uh, I was on a you know in bed and uh it was just the smell that was up my nose for three weeks. That's really interesting because, you know, they have trained dogs to be able to diagnose prostate cancer. They can actually yes, smell yes. sometimes that if the person has the cancer, the prostate cancer or not. Yes, and in fact, my wife's uncle uh, is involved with all that. He's a oh, doctor yeah. and uh, he runs a charity and I did a gig for them. And mm -hmm. uh, I was talking to one of the the people who run it and I said isn't it a bit awkward you know if you've trained these dogs and they turn around and start sniffing you and tell you that you've got cancer and she said yeah that's what happened to me 
It happened. It happened, yes. The dog turned around on her and started sniffing strangely and she had to go to hospital. And the dog pre-diagnosed all the specialists and everything. Yeah. Yes, well, I mean, you don't want a dog with a venge, vengeful streak, otherwise uh, it could <laughs> <laughs> go around. Yeah. But it's amazing what they can smell, you know, and what else could they do? Well, I go to the psychotherapy supervision group, you know, because if you do, I do a type of therapy called provocative therapy. And if you do therapy, you need to have supervision, people that supervise sure. you, and you can do it in a group. And my the, the main facilitator of my group has a has a dog in the room, and he reckons that the dog sometimes barks um, at crucial moments when yes. stories are being told. I'm thinking he notices when they're crucial, and he doesn't notice when they're yes. non-crucial. Yes, I've and had I, hecklers like that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I made some line about diagnosis and dognosis. Oh, yeah, very good. Got. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, trying to think what else. Yeah, so luckily I haven't had much else wrong with my father is actually a medical physicist medical physicist, physicist. yes so radiotherapy and stuff like all that, that. Yes, yes. Uh, he was head of physics at royal marsden yes. in uh, fulham road and uh, eventually before he died he got bowel cancer and he was actually in the ward he designed ah. and it, there was strange sort of irony coincidence sort of feeling but my earliest recollection of hospital and illness and stuff is of being taken around the marsden and seeing a lot of very ill people. Yes. And it actually freaked me out because I was only little and, you know, again, the smell of the disinfectant and, and that kind of thing. Uh, and there were always lots of x-rays at home and there wasn't much chance of me smoking, I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I've been, you know, I come from a medical-ish background, even though I have no uh, aspirations. You never had a thought of going into No, it, it was no, totally yeah. impractical in terms of my exam results. And, uh, <laughs> uh, no, I'd never had an interest in that. And I'm very clumsy by nature, mm. so that wouldn't be a good start. And did anyone else go into in your brother or sister? Or no, I only have one brother, and he's a travel marketing consultant. So, no, big failure all around on that front. Okay, so let's get on to the yep. Barukas you were going to Yeah, I had hundreds yes. of them. Yes. And uh, they don't just go on feet. Yes. They, they'll go anywhere. And I don't think anyone's really understood them. I know they've got bazooka veruca things now, but mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. had to get them cut out with a syringe. Yes. Um, I do know something about them. Um, they, You see, it's almost as if medicine doesn't want to spend too much time on yes. something that, that yes, is yes. harmless. You see, it's harmless, but it's not harmless mm. from a psychological effect if you've got it. Or it can hurt your feet if it's, sure, it's underneath yes. your feet. Yeah. And you don't see little old ladies collecting on behalf of Veruca stuff. It's not really a thing, is No Veruca charity. No, not yet. So what did you, did you have them cauterized out? or Yes, we tried to, was it formaldehyde? I think it was one of the things. They used a chemical, not a scalpel. Chemical, and then that didn't work. So then they went on to, and then I was hobbling around I didn't go it's like when I had the measles I thought I was really good at maths beforehand and afterwards I wasn't after having the brain swelling and then with Rue because I was really good at swimming beforehand I missed two years and I wasn't good at swimming mm-hmm. after that when I mean, you might have that's a punishment because you might have picked up the Verucas in the swimming yes, yes, uh, changing room yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. but Verucas are really interesting the different ways you can treat them um, and because there's a whole lot of home remedies and orthodox remedies. Yep. Salicylic acid, which is the stuff that aspirin's made of, in an intense okay. salicylic acid. Even one of the home remedies I read up said, take the aspirin and make it yourself and make a paste and put it on. So right. that's one of the treatments and filing it away. Apple cider vinegar's being used. The other chemicals, they can use cold. They can use a cryotherapy yep, and sure. sort of freeze them out. Yeah. All that's been... Um, it, all that's been used. And so there's a whole study of these things of how yep. they do, but not 
intensive. It's as if it's a benign condition. And they say they'll all go in two years. Right. If you're prepared to wait two yes, years, yes, yes. then most of them go. So they are strange immunological uh, Is there phenomenon. fungus? Is it fungus? Um, it could be a virus of okay. a type, yeah, and it grows and it lives there. And it, yeah. But here's the one that I only found out quite recently, the duct tape treatment. Uh, really? So you put a bit of duct tape yeah. on it and apparently that suffocates it from getting air yeah. from the atmosphere and it uh, yeah. can treat the verruca. How long do you have to leave it on for? can be a few weeks. So, All right. Okay. So you have to walk around there. Maybe they should make skin-colored yes. duct tape. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I've got, still got scars on my feet, though. They, where they cut yeah. it out, mm-hmm. eh? Yeah, it can leave a hole in your feet and then yeah. it's got... But if you leave it there, you can feel yourself walking on it. Yes, it's not true. A, such no. a nice experience, yeah. yeah. No. So apart from that, I think my skin has always been my Achilles heel, if that's mm-hmm. not mixing metaphors, uh, in terms of like spots or uh, sort of rashes or verrucas or always... My skin always gives asylum to anyone, <laughs> any skin disease. So, um, yes. <laughs> yeah. for some reason, I don't know why. Well, a lot of, you know, in natural therapy, um, people believe that, uh, well, some natural therapists believe that the skin is the least important organ because it, that is it's like a superficial disease, superficial right, on the yes. outside. Sure, sure. And it's giving you indication of what's going on outside. And some of them don't like skin disease being pushed back, as it were, because they're giving oh, us some yes, indication yes. of what's... Um, going on, I feel yeah. that can be a bit too religious in thinking in that yeah, terms, yeah. but because um, you need to sometimes control an eczema with and or skin disease with orthodox sure. treatment sometimes. Yeah, but 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 it can read the skin. For example, skin can come out in urticaria when someone's extremely anxious or shocked and allergic yes. responses. So, what yes. other skin adventures did you have? Uh, let's think. Um, well, just mystery rashes. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, what else? Veruca's yellow toenails. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. That's uh, also a virus can destroy yeah. the toenails. Or fungus, more likely. As Sounds like I should wash more, basically. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, this is, yeah, it's all gone wrong. Um, uh, not much else. I really, I mean, apart from twisting the odd ankle at football or something self-inflicted. I think you had the really, you had the really serious scare when you were too young to realise it was serious, actually. Yeah. One more step beyond that. If that encephalitis doesn't work out, and remember, there's no treatment for it. If you've got a meningitis or an encephalitis that's due to a, a streptococcus, it's going to be wiped out by penicillin. But measles, right. there is, and there wasn't at your time any right. antiviral treatment. They were just sitting there and praying, really, that it yes. would go in the right direction. No, absolutely. Really. Yeah. That's the what pray would have been the main thing to do yeah. at that moment without encephalitis. Yeah. Measles yeah. encephalitis is no joke. No. So that's one long in your far. You weren't traumatized by it because you... No, I, I missed how to do long division at school. <laughs> that was a good thing or a bad it's thing. It's funny you can remember something like yeah. that, eh? Yeah, so It was a key lesson and then to yeah, sort of I never understood it. it. I never understood yeah. it after that. There's a gap. See, you would have become a doctor. If yeah, who knows? Who knows? That's, yeah, <laughs> that's <right>. absolutely. Uh, <laughs> no, literally, apart from that, skin things, nothing. Okay, and would you ever have any contact with doctors, even if it wasn't you, the patient, or any A&E stuff, or someone else having a problem or anything like that? Well, obviously, there was my father, who was yes, a doctor. Yes, you gave it. He, he was a medical, wasn't a medical doctor. He was a, you know, scientific doctor, as it were. Um so a lot of relatives actually are. 
He's a medical scientist at yes. Royal Marsden and being in the physics area. Of yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So radiotherapy and yes. chem- uh, not so much chemotherapy. No, no, radiotherapy is physics. Chemo is going into chemistry yes. more. Yeah, 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 yeah. Linear accelerators, I remember yeah, that being, yeah, being yeah. a thing. Yes. And also when that, um, do you remember years ago there was a Bulgarian scientist who had something injected, no, uh, a Bulgarian defector had something injected into him. Yes. Um, then my dad was asked about that. You know, was that, that with the famous the umbrella. umbrella case? Yeah, yeah, that's the one, yeah. <laughs> yes. Straight out. Well, it's slightly unbelievable almost, but it, it was true apparently. Yeah. Injected uh, as a source of radiation into uh, the guy they wanted rid of. I mean, it's all back in fashion now, but... Yeah, he would have been much in demand with this recent yeah, poisoning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 But he's gone. He, he died two years ago, so... Yes. Uh, so, and lots of my wife's relatives are doctors as well. Uh, for some reason, I don't know why. Just, just that kind of family. Hi there. Sorry. I know I'm definitely not as interesting, but just two seconds of your time. We're the company that make this show, Snipper Nixon. We do podcasts, we develop scripts, and much more. If you want to know more about us, find us at snippernixon.com. Oh, oh, and if you are enjoying the show, please comment, tell a friend, subscribe, or send a carrier pigeon. We'll be back after these messages. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Now, straight back to Harley Street with Dr. Brian Kaplan and Milton Jones. Okay, let's talk about um, psychological medicine. So we're going from body Mm. to mind now. Have you had any contact with any form of therapy, analysis, coaching, motivational, NLP, anything of these? I've had a bit of therapy. Um, I've done lots of jokes about therapy. Yes, that's yeah, not the yeah, same yeah. thing. No, we it? don't no. mind hearing those. No, yeah. okay. It usually, I ended up with, uh, well, how do you feel about it? You know, that yeah. usually is the rough, you know, um, roughly the punchline. But um, <laughs> uh, I've had a bit of therapy, and necessarily, it's often about holding up a mirror, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So that you can see yourself uh, from the questions and from not people's reaction, but the kind of hear yourself speak out loud certain things and then the person show it back to you. Yes, uh, hear yourself articulate what is going on in your yeah. inner world rather than just the, um, the outside. And world. what was good for me during the therapy thing was that because I was seeing 
this person every Friday, as it were, every Thursday night, I go, I've got, got nothing to talk about. I've got nothing to... I'll, I'll mention this. And the hour would go so quickly mm. because I'd have... It was like a deadline for my homework. Mm-hmm. And I had to bring all this stuff up. Mm. And they'd think, oh, this is self-indulgent nonsense. And then actually feeling a lot lighter as I walked out. You lost the self... Consciousness yes. about it yes. and just relaxed into the process. Yes, yes pretty much. And I think because oh, also my background is quite middle class English, stiff upper lip. It sort of feels like an unnecessary indulgence. Mm. And to actually, because un- when I went in, I, fe- I said I felt like someone carrying a rucksack. And if I didn't take it off, I was going to fall over. But as gradually I unpacked the rucksack. It's like, or oh, the monkey on your shoulder. Yes, you're carrying yes. around with or you. Or monkey yeah. in a rucksack. <laughs> <laughs> a gorilla in a monkey rucksack. So, uh, yeah, so that, that's been positive. A lot of therapy happens in everyday life where people are talking to, you know, the, 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 the conversations that happen in psychotherapy are not the only psychotherapeutic conversations sure. that happen. Yeah. And my view was in every other th- uh, psychotherapeutic type of conversation laughter and jokes would come into it if we could take a helicopter and listen yeah, yeah. to people having these conversations be invisible and listen to in on pubs and tea room yeah. we would hear people making each other laugh or laughing sure. together in these therapeutic conversations true and uh i'm trying to think yes yeah, so the, the traditional view of a psychiatrist or someone doing therapy is humorlessness mm. Isn't it? It, mm. it is straight face, and any jokes that you do won't be understood or won't. I mean, but the thing about comedy, though, you must find that people either really like it mm. or really you don't hit it off with them. Because some audience, you know, in comedy terms, you know, if you're talking about a big audience, uh, I always look out, and they're all, some people are really into it, mm. and there's still someone with their arms folded just them. staring at me. <laughs> and it, I think uh, that's one of the things about experience is you begin learn to look at the people laughing rather than the people who are not laughing because well especially if you if you were at the cardiff retail awards two years ago um yeah just before they i went on they said you know they don't speak english yeah (laughs) great no but that that uh being a comedian is i think big part of it is learning to live with the fact that people won't like what you do Mm, mm-hmm And some people will, otherwise you won't get work. But knowing at some point in the next year, I will be, I'll suffer some kind of death Mm. and learning to live with that. It's a strange thing. It works in lectures as well. You know, Mm. I I gave a lecture on holistic medicine to a group of company that where the people retired and they loved it year after year. And I must have given it a hundred times at once. I went in there and I knew from the first second I wasn't going to get through to this crowd from their body yeah. language, yes, some arms, yes. and I just felt there was a group feeling yeah. that wasn't going to be kind to anyone who yeah. stood up in front of them on that day. Yeah. Yes, it's a weird thing. And even uh, having done a tour show over a hundred times, I can almost tell from the conversation bubbling before the show if it's going to be hard or easy because uh, there's something in the atmosphere. Mm. People are laughing out loud already or... It's just very subdued, subdued, you know, this was without even looking at them. Do you think you're quite porous in what you pick up from atmospheres? Was you describing the mm. smell and this feeling, this this visceral kind of aesthetic feeling? Do you, do you yes. pick up a lot of stuff around you? What the I think vibes, so, and I've got better yeah. at doing it uh, over the years because obviously you do your 10,000 hours or whatever it is and you, you, you know, mm-hmm. um, and you, you measure in all the factors and... 
It's almost like having been hit with a big stick so many times, you begin to anticipate the trajectory. Mm. You know, and that is the audience and their reaction. And therefore, you have various strategies to deal with it. You know, if they're very passive, you go in hard. If they've very got lots of energy, then you don't have to do much. I mean, mm, these are generalizations. That's really interesting, but yeah. but um, you've learned to do that instinctively over the years. And I think it applies to small groups as well. Comedy is one of the few things that it's the Venn diagram overlaps with uh, social skills as well. Mm-hmm. In that I think you get better at reading rooms or even people sometimes, not always. The danger is, though, that it becomes all about you, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, and it's... And you and your feelings and reactions to the yes, outside world. Yes. yes, and I mean, we're all in danger of it, but we've all met the big star who's become detached from reality to some degree because they have an entourage around them mm-hmm. just saying yes. Mm-hmm. And that becomes... Um, it's very easy to say... That's a bad thing. But when it begins to happen to people you know closely or even yourself to a lesser degree, perhaps, um, you can't see it. Mm. Do you think it creates a certain type of loneliness when you treat it For like sure, that? because uh, people don't know, well, you don't know why people want to know you mm. anymore. And that's why long-standing friends are mm. more precious. It's what I try to say to women, um, Every woman wants to be beautiful, but what they don't understand is that there's such a thing as a beauty barrier, that people only see the beauty yes. of a very beautiful woman. They don't see the person. Then they start, I don't feel appreciated for who I really am. Yes, yes, yes. And then there's, well, I'm a, obviously I'm not an expert on this, but then uh, perhaps when their beauty begins to fade, mm. then they have an opportunity, but they've actually learned to rely on the beauty. Too late. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's a big, you know. So I noticed you mentioned the 10,000 hours. I'm yep. referring to what Malcolm Gladwell, that you need to put in the 10,000 hours to be a professional. It mm. was one of the things he said. I think it was 10,000 hours. And the other one he said is that you are fortunate if you grew up in the, when you went to school, if you were in the older people in the class rather than the younger people in the class yep. that's fortunate that's also a mark of success okay let's move on to spiritual matters yep. and i do know the answer to this question in your case but i'm going to ask it anyway because i've asked every comedian do you believe in god yes i do tell me if about today i changed but no <laughs> um well i need to declare an interest in that mm. uh, my parents were christian i was brought up in uh church going household yes so you know you could argue that perhaps i've been brainwashed to some degree or nurtured uh to the wire but uh you know in some ways it would quite help me to rebel and become not the opposite but to make my own brand of religion that i followed and maybe i have to some extent but uh basically i am a christian because um well working inwards I look around the universe and there's clearly something going on that's bigger than we are. That's the, you know, that we don't understand yet. Science doesn't understand it. Mm-hmm. If religious people are honest, they don't really understand it either. But there's something bigger that is out of our control. Secondly, the uh, the story, the line, the truth of God being disconnected from man. But there's a way back if man believes in what Jesus has done 
to bring us together and says sorry for that. That resonates with me, that mm-hmm. whole story. That I don't quite understand because it's not science, and it's, but there's something in it. I know there is. And more importantly, on the inside, the third thing is that I believe it works, mm-hmm. uh, both personally, since I've committed to it, I feel the power of something stronger and better than me inside. Again, this porous feeling, right? That mm. is a, a visceral kind of aesthetic experience mm. um, you mentioned. Um, do you think this is what faith is? That one cannot necessarily articulate and, and, and present it logically and rationally to, to convince someone like Richard Dawkins or yeah, something yeah. like that, but nevertheless is felt so strongly that it has to be given a name and that name is faith. I have faith that this is the case. Yes, and I think uh, the way we think, the way we are educated, is so uh, logic and science-based that it's sometimes difficult for people to see outside that. But if you go to any real tribe anywhere else, it's not even up for grabs whether God exists or mm. not. You know, it, There is something bigger out there. That's what I experienced in India. It was yeah. just everywhere, you know, and I just felt it and it wasn't... That was the norm. Yes. That's the way, that's how people were. And also, not just for me personally, but when I see, say, the hardest situation ever, say, I don't know, um, a parent who's lost a child Mm. as a result of a stabbing or Mm. one of those things, uh, and they forgive the person who did it. There's something so profound in that that I think is at the centre of everything. You go, yeah, that's what the whole world needs. Something in that. But that is the kernel of the Christian message. Forgiveness to those who want it. Well, there is a... Um, I, I'm very touched that you mentioned that because I think that forgiveness is a very powerful process that doesn't one does essentially for one's own self, mm. spiritual self, even more than the other person. Sure. As if you were, we talked about the monkey yeah. you were carrying around, monkey in the haversack. Mm. To me, forgiveness, there's an element of forgiveness that you can take off the haversack that you were thinking yes. about and carrying around. Yes. Um, I also think it's a process as well. It's not just, yeah, I'll do it now. Mm. Because you're, there are always going to be little memories or uh, little things that are going to come back and you go, I have to take it off again. You know, maybe it's, a, it's an, an inner, you know, it's a smaller rucksack. Yeah, there's a book um, that talks about this a lot called A Course in Miracles. I don't know if you've come across this. It's quite Christian, but it's very um, psychological in many mm. respects. And the idea is that it combines the the Christian or the, the religious idea of forgiveness with the idea of Freudian projection. So we'd say when we hate something about another person, it's because we often have projected something right. we don't like about ourselves okay. onto them. Yes. But we can't easily forgive ourselves. We can't do yeah, that. Yeah. But so the idea of a theme that emerges is that can we learn to forgive what we see in others, and then that way we forgive ourselves. We release right, something yes, in ourselves. Yes, yes. And to do it automatically and immediately is the idea of this. How can right. we forgive automatically yes. and immediately? Not so easy. As you said, it can be a process. Yes, yeah. No, yeah. Mm, interesting. I mean, the, the only caveat I'd like to add to what I've said about faith mm. is that I have a visceral hatred of hypocritical religion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm in terms of rules for the sake of rules. Mm-hmm. And that exists across all religions, you know. And in a way, I think maybe God is more concerned about those who are open rather than those who are closed in general. 
Well, it becomes fossilized. Hey, the people want mm. to write things down and make rules. It's always the, the the religious leaders that start saying things themselves. And I think mankind's instinct is to control people, to mm. control others, mm. so that they benefit you. But religion is well. Christianity is supposed to be free and looking up rather than sideways. And do you like the congregational aspect? Do you go to a church or love meet people? Or I do go like to a church, yes. but I, I think the basis of... Um, I think it is a team game. Mm-hmm. I'll come back to another sporting analogy. Um, because you, we are inevitably good at one or two things. And what there is to do in the world is, is a team game and we can only really operate together. Also... I can really kid myself that I'm fit going down the gym on my own. But suddenly when I get to play in a team, you go, oh, I'm way off the pace. (laughs) (laughs) And that's sort of true of of religion too. And also there are a lot of uh, fat blokes who wear Man United kits who are not in the team at all. Mm. And they're just people who shout and complain. Do you ever think that the feeling there is greater than the, the, the sum of the individual feeling? It's sort of... There's this phrase, and I think it's a Christian. I think it's Matthew. I think that whenever two or more of you are yeah, gathered yeah. in my name, in other words, whenever two or more of you are gathered in my name, there's an amplification of this yes. interconnection. No, for yes. sure. And in terms of people being good at different things, you know, some are good at teaching and some are, are good at looking after pastoral things, looking after people. That that only begins to work in a team mm. because you know it's it's like. If you turn up at a meeting, everyone has a different piece of the jigsaw. It's only then that you can see the whole picture. I'm a very big supporter of the Church of England, even though I'm Jewish. Mm. I do love all those buildings, and I think they're meant to have people in them and mm. relating. And look at all these beautiful buildings and hardly anyone in them anymore. What but are they, then sometimes them, you know? those buildings become more important. Yes. How often do you see a big plastic thermometer outside one of those church buildings with a fun to put the, roof, <laughs> put the roof back on? And that's their main aim is to put the roof back on rather than to help the community yes, around them. Like that, yeah. And so it's all about the people that are on the inside. Yes. Also... Uh, I sort of jokingly once said that I think every church should have a height restriction mm-hmm. and the height should be about three foot six. So that everyone has to go in Crawling, on their knees yes. because there's uh, there's a can be a look at me. Well, attitude. Now we see a nice connection between your comedy and your and your spiritual outlook. <laughs> yes, yes. Crawl, well, everyone crawls well, quite often I'm asked to um, not speak, but... Um, do a bit of comedy in a church situation. Oh, yes, yes. But I say, no, you come and see me in a normal theatre because uh-huh, uh-huh. that's not my job. I don't have a mandate to talk religion. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, do you think there is an element, there's a place for comedy amongst the people that talk in the, even though it may not be you, do you think there's a place for comedy in the preaching or at the pulpit, yes, pulpit it, comedy? Yes, sort of, although their aim is entirely different. My job is to make people laugh. Mm. Their job, hopefully, is to bring people closer to God. Now, if you can do both, then fine. But quite often, I think what happens is uh, they start with a funny anecdote that has got nothing to do with what they're yes, about to say. <laughs> grafted and just, on, yeah. yeah and, and basically, and now you can feel everyone's sigh and now the boring bit afterwards. <laughs> <you> know, so, <laughs> uh, 
But it, I think it's it's good if you can combine the two. Um, you know, in Judaism, you know that people do want the rabbi to be more like Jackie Mason, if possible. Yes, you yeah. know, it's, if yeah, you can yeah. make us laugh, it might be worth going. Mainly because that's the only thing they understand. Because yeah. that's given in English, and the rest's in Hebrew. Most oh, of them right. can't okay. understand yes. anything else. Yes. Well, there was an interesting series of um, Frank Skinner talked to the then I think it was Rome Williams, the Archbishop of Canterbury, mm-hmm. and they had a dialogue of things. But one of the things that came out of it is why don't priests or vicars or whatever have 20 minutes like comedians mm-hmm. and all go around different churches doing, you know, like, yes. a, like a comedy circuit, but a church circuit. Yeah, should be. And uh, they could get really good at that 20 minutes like comedians do yeah. instead of having to produce this every week. Mm. Why should it be any good? We couldn't put together 20 minutes every week. That amount of material. Yeah, that's a heck of a lot of material. So get good at what, you know, I mean, there's an argument to be said that all comedians only have 20 minutes, you know, even though they might go on for longer. But you know, the absurdity that comes out in your comedy, I mean, sometimes I love it. I was watching a long thing that I think is on YouTube. It's about an hour with the shirts and the yeah, blue yeah. background. And you, you can leave a person in a very interesting state to sort of give a really absurd explanation of history. And it's interesting how you think. Mm. And then you move on immediately to something else. Leaving yes. this, oh my God, look at that. Does he really think? He cannot believe yeah. that this absurd... Um, do you think that the way that people behave is a little bit absurd? Uh, well, I've always been fascinated by words and language and ideas. I wouldn't say I love it. I've just been fascinated that certain words mean certain things, and especially phrases you know, that people pick up. So I think ever since I heard my dad say, ectray, ectray, and I, I repeated it, I repeated it in conversation, ectray. I only later found out he was saying the word actually. <laughs> but he's saying it in such a posh, posh way that it, was, it became another word. And from, from moments like that in my past, you know, that I've become very interested in language and how it works. I mean, the reason, reason I move on to other things so quickly is possibly the idea doesn't, you know, merit much thinking about, you know. Um, but it's funny. You think, oh, for a moment, you believe that Milton Jones actually believes that. Yes. I, I found my, because of the rhythm I mean, Stephen Wright is a bit like you, that yeah. he has those sort of... But you have a sort of narrative rhythm that my actual found mm. my disbelief being suspended, actually, while well, I'm listening th- to this. that's good. Thank you. I mean, I think if comedy works, um, and a style of comedy works, it's because you, you manage to draw people into your world. Mm-hmm. And it took me ages to work out that 50% is having funny things to say. The other... 50, 51% is creating an atmosphere where people will laugh. Mm. And that's much harder. Anyone can repeat some funny words, but the guys who can create a world you want to be part of, they're the ones with the gift, really. Mm. The selling Mm. of the comedy. Mm. You know, Mm. Tommy Cooper coming on and looking crazed or whatever it is, or Harry Hill or, you know. And I also have a theory that um, the better a comedian you are, the more you divide people. Mm-hmm. And if you think of all the big names, there are a load of people who really like them and there are a load of people who really Absolutely. don't like them. Michael McIntyre yeah, is a good example. Yeah, ex- very good example. Uh, and if everyone doesn't like you, then you're no good. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, the, the, the better you are, the more you will divide people, I think. Yes, And if everyone thinks you're okay, you're probably not very good. Mm. When did you first realise, look, that you had this... Sort of um, that you could look at words in this other way. I think I've always done it. Yeah, I've always done it. Yes, yes. Just the sounds and the 
Um, and also I ended up doing one-liners because I was terrified when mm. I first started. So you always have to get to the joke as quickly as possible yes. and therefore you end up with a lot of one-liners. Mm. So uh, that's how, and then people know you for that. Um, I think w in terms of putting a show together, I'm good at making the jewels. I'm just not so good at making the crown to put them in. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't agree, actually. Well, it's harder to do the structure for me for yeah. some reason. Even doing a radio show or something, I have to have help with the structure. Otherwise, I can, you know, be given a subject and write you lots of jokes about that subject. But actually, meshing it in with character and stuff is not my strong. And way. so, and we just drifted a little bit from spirituality. Anything? Yeah. Do you feel that there's a service that you're doing? That there is a good thing that comes out of the comedy and people laughing and that they you think it's good for their spiritual health to for people to laugh yes i mean <laughs> let's hope so um i recently did uh um turned up as a there was a, a psychiatry conference a medical conference mm -hmm. and i was wheeled in as light entertainment in the afternoon um just do Q&A. And I started by saying, look, guys, if you mess up, you know, there were air ambulance people there and there were surgeons. I said, listen, if you guys mess up, it's a whole different league of me messing up. You know, I feel a bit like a pigeon at an airport because your level is so, you know, so much higher than mine. Um, but I do think we provide a service it's interesting that there aren't big comedy circuits in other European countries, mm. for instance. But I think the British are so stiff in general. It's almost like they need to go to a prostitute, for want of a better word, mm -hmm. to pay money to someone who will get that. Get them to let go. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly, same thing. So um, that's why... You know, British comedy is a thing. And there's sometimes the edge of British comedy that I actually understand why coming from South Africa as I do, and I don't find it initially funny, and I can see that a lot of English people do. For example, Tommy Cooper looks to me as if he's telling the same joke over and over, but I yeah. think to the, the English who's stiff, it might just be so liberating to yes. see someone behave like this. Yeah. Yes, and I think that, that when... With Tommy Cooper, with uh, Tim Vine, do you know mm. Tim Vine as well? Mm. Sometimes something, there's there's almost a hysterical edge mm. to the laughter that is bigger than the joke, actually. You've actually touched someone on the inside that, you know, it's like you're massaging a part that's never been massaged before. Mm. And suddenly this weird noise comes mm. out. And I think that often the laughter is higher pitched. And you get someone, something on a roll and especially with lots of quick gags. People are actually laughing at a joke two or three back that they've just realised. Last question. Do you have any tip for people, like anything for keeping in good mental, physical, spiritual shape? Anything you would want to leave as a little tip, Milton Jones tip of looking after yourself? See, this is the producer who gave me this question. Yes, I think... Write lists and make the lists. Make lists. Make lists yes. and make the lists longer than you can achieve. Yes. Because uh, then you'll always have something to do tomorrow. Um, actually, that's not a good tip.
I think it's a good look to, to have to make lists. So. Do you think? Do you think? Do you always write something down if you think of it, or you think you'll remember it the next day if you had an insight? Or I try to write it down, uh, and because I'm better at remembering things than I used to be. If I do a tour show, it's two hundred to two hundred fifty jokes, and I have to wow. remember them in the right order. Wow! Because if I there are a couple of places in tours where that have similar junctions. If I go down the wrong junction, that's the end of the show. But your, your humour is high-intensity jokes. I mean, compared to Stuart Lee, who I also regard yeah. as a great comedian, he could talk for quite a long time, raconteur, yeah, yeah. telling you a story, sure, a narrative, sure. and there'll be a punchline eventually, but not yeah. for a while. Yeah. But uh, Although what I'm doing is random, it isn't random in the sense of I've looked at the punchlines and you don't want similar ones next to each other. Yeah, I do agree with you that when I'm, I saw Stephen Wright, um, funny, Arnold supported Stephen Wright. Mm-hmm. I think it was the Hammersmith Odeon. And mm. um, he said something about, before he went on, he says, you know, you're going to see a great genius tonight, Stephen Wright. So I'm just keeping myself contained a bit. I'm not going to give right. him the yeah, best yeah. You know, to, to yeah, stage. Yeah. But his, I felt his humour was brilliant observation, but pretty random. It would yeah. move on, like, the, why is there only one Monopolies commission? And yes, then move yes. on to something else. And yeah. they're all funny, but it, it doesn't tie together with yours. I saw a narrative which, as I said earlier, suspended right. my disbelief. Yes, um, yes. And those little jokes that are either running jokes or, you know, occasionally... I'll do a long list of jokes and then I say, right, I'm going to skip a bit now and then I'll skip up and down the stage and then come back and start doing the jokes again. Those little jokes that are different or movement or, uh, you know, are very valuable because they break things up. Let me just pick you up on one thing because I, I just remember it's a particular interest of uh, Arnold Brown, our con- uh, comedy consultant. He says there are different types of laughter, that there's a belly laugh, yeah. there's a deep laugh and then you mentioned something about a higher up mm. laughter. Can you say anything about laughter itself? Uh, people assume that all laughter is good sometimes but I've seen many people laugh in a cruel nasty bullying way yes and uh, I you know if what I do works it's more attached to joy than it is to nastiness I know (laughs) we've just done the Merseyside gag but um I think as much is to do with the spirit in which something yes. is said. You know, that's why censorship is such a tricky issue because I've heard a lot of people say nasty things, but they've done it with a twinkle in their eye and you know from being there that they don't really mean that. They're just being slightly provocative. However, I've also heard people say things that aren't very quotable, but they've said it in such a nasty way. I don't want to be in the same this room is as so, them. I, I couldn't agree with you mm. more. This is profoundly my view about comedy and and the work I do, provocative mm. therapy. Context is absolutely yeah. everything. And and the golden rule of provocative therapy, made by the founder of provocative therapy, was a very funny guy. And he suddenly realized if he incorporated his wisecracking into the therapy, he was getting incredible uh, results in yes. reverse psychology. But he eventually he made a golden rule. And the golden rule incorporates something that you've just said. Only make, and you used two words in, in the golden rule. In the last sentence you said, amazingly, the golden rule is only provoke someone if you do it with affection in the heart 
and a twinkle in the eye. Then you can say anything you like. A person will yes. take anything. I have sat with people and done this, mm. and they've taken everything, and someone 10 feet away have said, if you had said that to me, I would have been very upset. And I said, yeah, yeah but I didn't say it to you. I yeah, said yeah, it to yeah. that person, you see. And that's, context is everything. I don't believe there's any word in any language that in the right context can't be used in comedy or anything else. Absolutely. I agree. Mm. Anyway, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Uh, very, Likewise. Very moving. Thank you Thank very you. much. Are You Feeling Funny is a Sniffer Nixon production. The comedy consultant is the legendary Arnold Brown. The series producers are Luke and Alan Nixon, with music from George Montague, audio recorded by Alex Hollingsworth, and the series editor was Luke Nixon. But more importantly, the back-breaking vocal work you are hearing now is done by me, Olivia Nixon. You can find loads more stuff from us to listen to and read at snippernixon.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.